Welcome to Medicare for All Explained. This podcast will enlighten our listeners and dispel the distortions that surround Medicare for All. Medicare for All Explained is produced in collaboration with Physicians for a National Health Program and is hosted and produced by Joe Sparks. I'm your host, Joe Sparks. This is episode 85, The American Healthcare Mess. My guest, Gilbert Simon, MD, wrote Ripped Off, Overtested, Overtreated, and Overcharged, The American Healthcare Mess. In 1989, Dr. Simon founded the Sacramento Family Medical Clinics to care for people who had trouble affording and getting quality health care. Before he founded his medical clinic, Dr. Simon was a pediatrician and taught at Columbia University, University of California Davis School of Medicine, and California North State University School of Medicine. Dr. Simon will be discussing the waste, inefficiency, and profiteering that currently exists in the American healthcare system. Dr. Gilbert Simon, welcome to Medicare for All Explained. Thanks, Joe, for giving me the chance to speak to your audience. I would like to start with a quote from your book. This book explains how a noble profession was degraded into a profit-driven medical industrial complex and what we can do about it. Could you please start by explaining how taking care of patients went from a noble profession into a profit-driven medical industrial complex? It's pretty easy to explain that because it all, it all happened when the third party payers got into the examination room along with the doctor and the patient. Th- at that point, it became a insurance company paying all the bills Payers were happy to pay the bills because if they paid out more than they took in, they just raised the premium for the following year. Patients were happy uh, because uh, they were getting all the care they wanted, although not needed. Doctors were happy because they were getting paid on a regular basis. All this kept going on and on and on. More and more corporations entered the picture. As you know, corporations are profit-driven entities who exist for the benefit of their owners. And the healthcare used to be for the benefit of the patient. So over the course of time, more and more corporations entered the picture, dominated the picture. And after 70 years of this, we now have a healthcare system that is really incomprehensible to anybody, including the CEOs uh, and the politicians. So it has now become a, a profit maker. Venture capitalists come in to healthcare. It's a whole different system. Well, also in your book, you said you had a frenzy to the insidious corporate takeover of healthcare from the trenches to the committee rooms. And you did address that a little bit in the last question, but I wonder if you could get more specific about what you saw. In the committee rooms, uh, the discussions were primarily about return on investment. In the trenches, the concern is how can I best take care of the patient? So, that shift has gradually occurred. And I've seen both sides and I've been on both sides. And return on investment is never a factor to take into account 
when it comes to treating the patient. So unfortunately, that has become the, the dominant question. How much are we getting for what we're spending? Given that we now have this corporate control, and the question is how to increase return, not to take care of patients, how do we get back so the emphasis becomes taking care of patients and yet at the same time, keep costs to a reasonable level? Well, we've got to get rid of those corporations. We've got to get rid of all those middlemen who are bleeding money, uh, precious healthcare dollars out of the system. And until they're gone, we're going to be stuck in our present situation, which gets worse every year. As much as I hate to say it, it's got to get worse before it gets better. And we're doing a good job of making it worse. Well, I would argue that we're doing a great job of making it worse. And there was a recent survey. I don't remember who performed it, but they said that medical debt was underestimated and that approximately 100 million people had medical debt. And one of the things that you talked about is how the high medical costs hurt our economy. Could you please address that? Well, that's a little bit exaggerated. The, uh, the big manufacturers claim that their cost for insuring their employees is what they call a health tax, and that drains their economy. We have a great economy. It's so prosperous, we can afford all kinds of things, including health for all. So uh, healthcare costs are, are not exactly hurting our economy. It's a myth that healthcare costs are hurting our economy. Did I say that in my book, by the way? Or did I say that it was a, a controversial issue? I'd have to check, but I think what you said is that if our healthcare costs weren't so high, that money could be spent on other things. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, it's hurting how, how we spend our money and uh, and how we spend our tax dollars and the, and the size of our tax dollars. There's a big chunk of our tax dollars you're going to pay for health care. And a big part of our state budgets are going to pay for state-funded programs like Medicaid. So if they had less money to spend on health care, they could spend it on, on parks, education, and recreation. So we are overspending to an enormous degree. One of the things you say is that, again, in your book, it's time you knew that the American healthcare system managed to achieve the worst of both worlds, low quality and high cost. Could you start by speaking to what is some of the data that indicates the low quality? The most glaring piece of information is life expectancy in America. There are 59 countries who have better life expectancies than we do. We rank 60th in the world. We rank 50th in the infant survival rates. So those are the major gross measurements. The more subtle measurements are the number of, of preventable deaths per 100,000 people. We again rank terribly in every measure except cost. We're at the bottom when compared to other organized, industrialized, high-income countries, we do very poorly uh, on all measures. So we're, getting, we're not getting a lot of quality for our healthcare dollar, 
And our healthcare dollar is also staggering because we're spending about $12.5 per capita. And that's triple what other countries are paying, double what the average is. That's three times what Italy pays. And Italy gets better healthcare than we do. So we're, we're overspending and underperforming. And that I call bad value is the measurement of those two factors, quality and cost. Low quality, high cost equals low value. To summarize a bit what you said, you're basically saying that we have worse overall health outcomes, yet we spend much more money to achieve these overall health outcomes. Yes. that be a good summary? That's very good. So we know we have the bad outcomes. What could we do now to lower costs? And then later I'll ask, what can we do in the long term? But what could we do now to lower costs under our current system? Well, we've begun with a, an attempt to lower price of prescription medications. That's where our costs are greatly in excess of the rest of the world. So the Inflation Reduction Act, which has nothing to do with inflation or reduction, is, is an attempt to lower the prescription prices. What Mark Cuban has done with his drug plan is to go directly to the pharmacy, for the, the manufacturer, and negotiate prices with the manufacturer, cutting out the middleman. We have middlemen at every, every possible point of uh, decision-making, and those middlemen are taking all the money out of the system. So we, we can pass laws that will make the pharmacy benefit management obsolete. Those are people who negotiate prices with the pharmaceutical company on behalf of the health plans. But we don't need them. The health plan can negotiate them directly. So they're unnecessary. All they add is cost. So we have a, an activity that only adds cost and does not add quality. That's waste. So we're filled with waste. Well, there was a time when the doctor and the patient were making the decisions and you mentioned the pharmacy benefit managers, but now do we have another middle man in the fact that insurance companies are often making medical decisions? The insurance companies can't make medical decisions unless they're doctors. So they hire doctors who are called medical directors. And I was one of those uh, for several years of my life. And medical directors make decisions based on evidence-based information. So that cuts out a lot of the wanted care that isn't necessary care. That's actually a benefit. Several years ago, the Institute of Medicine organized a program called Choosing Wisely. Are you familiar with Choosing Wisely? No. The Institute of Medicine. So they selected 50 doctors who were basically internists and said, uh, or actually all primary care doctors, and said, what procedures can we do without? You were doing it on a regular basis. You don't need to do. There's no basis for their being done, except cost. They came up with a list, and the list is now over 500 of the procedures, of choosing wisely procedures that needn't be done. Well, they're still being done at the same pace as before. Other countries who receive that the, that information have enacted laws saying if, if choosing wisely says don't do it, I'm not going to pay you if you do it. 
we still pay the dividend. So we, 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 can, we can do that. We can enact a policy that matches choosing wisely with paying wisely. And wise paying is not to pay for unnecessary procedures. Let me ask another question. So the Institute of Medicine recommended that we stop doing certain procedures that had little or no benefit. But they also asked the other question, which is, have they investigated where people were denied care or denied needed care that had adverse effects? Do you know if they ever investigated that? That wasn't the purpose of, of this program, but that gets reported every day. People who are denied care, that's necessary. And that's not been studied systematically, but it's more anecdotal. Well, you said that insurance companies couldn't practice medicine unless they hired these doctors. So how can an insurance company deny what a doctor thinks is necessary care? They can't. They can't. If they deny it, then, then a conscientious doctor requested that care would then appeal that and say, why did you deny this? There's no basis. Here's the evidence. Then that denial is overturned. But that, that takes energy, uh, energy and time, uncompensated energy and time, to overcome the denials. So it's a, it's a cat and mouse game. I want more, you want to give less. And uh, we've got to find some way of getting what the patient needs. So we talked about what could be done in the short term. Long term, what would you like to see happen so that patients can get the health care that they need without having to worry about cost? Long term, we need to eliminate the third party payment system. We need to eliminate commercial private insurance companies who are in this for the profit. We need to go directly to a single payer system where hundreds of billions of dollars are immediately eliminated by reducing the overhead costs and the complexity costs and the duplicative costs. We need to uh, eliminate our current system, especially with the, all these insurance companies, 1,500 companies offering healthcare insurance, very poorly regulated by the government. And Eventually, those companies need to be replaced by a single payer. May I ask a question about electronic health records? What do I know? Yeah, well, when I went on Medicare back in December, I had to change doctors. And because of some problems, I had to see several doctors. And when I switched doctors, I had to find a way to get my medical records over to the doctor. Now, I was able to download some of those. But now, each time when I go to a different doctor, I basically have to fill out similar forms and answer the same questions. And other countries have integrated electronic health record systems, EHRs, so that the doctors can pull this information up. It doesn't have to be transferred manually. Do you think a single-payer system would help that? Yes, a single-payer system with a single electronic health records with no network to worry about. We're all in one network. 
we're all in this together. We have one system. We can be coordinated. We're integrated. Right now, we're disintegrated. Yeah, the different EHR systems don't talk to each other. Now, it would take a while to create that one system, wouldn't it? It would have to be created. Oh, yes. It would take a while. Anytime a provider starts a electronic medical record system, it takes a while to learn the system and get fluent with it. We started one in my clinics. Our productivity dropped by about 50%. More time was spent just learning the system. And the new system, and I hate to say this, but I've seen this. Most doctors are now data entry processors. They spend their time, a little bit of time with the patient, and a lot of time with the computer. There was a time before when doctors, doctor visit was primarily in the exam room, doctors making eye-to-eye contact and dealing with the patient. It's been reversed now. Doctor spends very little time with the patient, great deal of time with the computer. Do you think that's because often the EHR systems are geared towards maximizing billing and not towards patient care? Absolutely. The the way you get a higher fee is to submit your bill with a higher code. But the more you document electronically, the more higher you can code. So uh, that is why it's generate higher coded visits. So there are good things about it too. There are prompts that, that, that appear that tell you what to do in case you forget what to do. Questions to ask that you should be asking, uh, it tells you which questions to ask. So it has some good features as well, but it, it has changed the way we deal with patients. Yes, often when I go into the doctor, the doctor's asking me questions and also typing things into the computer. Yes. Does he look at you? Yes, they try to maintain eye contact, but when they're entering the data into the computer, obviously they're not. But I understand. I have a background in information technology. I worked in it for 20 plus years. And I can tell you whenever, as you said, whenever you have a new system, you can expect productivity to go down as people learn it. That is so, so true. And a lot of companies will get burned because they don't plan for that. I didn't plan for it. I got burned. (laughs) I had no idea. It takes such a long time to learn the systems. Well, there's a joke in programming about, you know, why God was able to create the world in seven days? Why? He didn't have an installed user base. (laughs) That's an IT question. Yeah. I think most people who are not in IT don't realize that it's easier to install a new system than to replace an existing system. Yeah. But anyway, having been an IT pro, that is one of my favorite computer jokes. So one of the things you had a clinic that was serving poor and lower income people for many years. And could you just talk a little bit about how you were able to work the system so at least the clinics stayed financially viable and got patients the healthcare that they needed? Well, 
I was a very, very uh, hands-on medical director. And I, I reviewed uh, every outgoing referral specialist. They all came to me first. And I turned away the majority. Most of the newer doctors are trained really to refer. They see a problem, they refer. The older doctors like me are trained to engage the problem. I would deny the, deny the request for a specialist and send back a little note saying, here's what you need to do. And after what they learned what to do. So we eliminated the great need for specialists. Then the same thing with laboratories. All the lab requests were reviewed by, by the director of our laboratories. And I got a report once a month. And I saw which tests were being done. And uh, many of the tests were not necessary, particularly the panels. Panel tests, we get for 14 tests with one click of the button. Very convenient, very easy, very simple, very mindless. You don't have to think about it. You just click it. I took all those away. What do you want to know? Ask for that. You're getting superfluous information. So I took care of it. We reduced our laboratory expenses. We did our specialty reduced expenses greatly. But the other thing that all my clinics were in very low income communities, our rent was very low. Nobody wanted to be there but us. So we paid very low rent. I knew that the profit margin in this program would be minimal, if anything. And uh, I was hoping for one or 2% per clinic. And if I had 10 clinics, that would be like 10 to 20%. And I had my more, more profitable clinics supporting my less profitable clinics. And it worked. It worked for 26 years. But somehow we managed to get, get by there were many years when there was no profit at all. And I had three years where I went without any salary. But I knew that times would get better. Business is cyclical. I knew that things would get better. It took a lot of commitment to get this to work and engagement involved. Do you think, hopefully, when we go to a single payer system, that in terms of producing good quality at lower cost that we should do what you did where we have the family physician or the primary care physician doing more and that we would need more primary care physicians and less specialists? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We need more, better trained and better supported and higher and higher paid. Whenever that happens, care always improves. Patient satisfaction always improves. And the need for specialists reduce, is reduced. Specialists do, do procedures that nobody else can do but them with their training. As far as their decision-making and, and cognition and reasoning, most of that can be done by a primary care doctor who knows, that, who knows the subject, who was taught the subject in medical school, but then quickly forgets it the second he gets out to his practice because the specialists are just dominating the entire field. So that's what I did with, with my doctors. I had specialists coming into the clinics once a month to explain their, their specialty and decide with, with them what makes a good referral. And we only make good referrals. That's interesting. We can add it to the list of things we need to do when we move to a single-payer system. Everyone seems to agree with that, that, that bolstering primary care in all the countries that, do, that perform better than we do 
Ola had much bigger emphasis on grammar here than we do. Yes. And I think there's more emphasis on the PCP establishing a relationship with the patient so they know the patients better. Yes. So before we end, is there anything that you would like to add? Yes, I think I already mentioned that it has to get worse before it gets better. Uh, the question is, how much worse and what, what will worse look like? And I was told in medical school almost 60 years ago that things will not change until the average employed person is told each year that they will receive their annual reduction in salary because the cost of healthcare is so high. The average employee will then revolt and demand change. So I think that's going to, that will be the turning point. I think it's going to happen before that. And as you see, a lot of people are fed up and hopefully it'll happen much sooner rather than waiting till we hit that crisis point. But we shall see. I would love to see that during my lifetime. I would also love to see it during my lifetime. Yeah. Dr. Simon, thank you so much for being on Medicare for All Explained. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. You have been listening to Medicare for All Explained. Remember to tell your family, friends, and colleagues about this podcast. Information about Medicare for All Explained can be found at our website, medicareforallexplained.org. The music for this show is Super Bubbly by Jesse Spillane. The logo was created by Lily Sparks. Thank you for listening.